welcome to day 29 of Crikey's election cast. It's Monday, the 9th of May. I'm Cam Wilson. We are getting to the pointy end of the campaign, and it's really starting to show. Last night, the leaders of each party faced off against each other again in what could politely be called a massive shoutfest. So, did Scott Morrison or Anthony Albanese yell loud enough to win anyone over? Earlier today, Crikey's Kishore Napier-Rahman spoke to news editor Georgia Wilkins about what it was like to see the men vying to be PM, snipe and bicker for 80 minutes, and also how Labor's lead has barely budged despite the coalition's best efforts. Hi, Kishore. G'day, Georgia. Happy early voting day. Happy early voting day. And what a way to start it by another debate. (laughs) Just what you want. Just what the undecided voters are out for. It it was exactly what we wanted. It was great. It was very shouty, very scrappy. I think we've had two of these debates now, plus the treasurer's debate. This one has to be the worst of the lot. I mean, I was yelling at the television. Can you (laughs) take us through how, just how terrible it was? Well, if you wanted drama and aggression and then this sort of gladiatorial contest, then this was probably the best debate of the lot. The gloves came off. Both Morrison and Albanese did everything they could to really land blows on the other. If you wanted sort of informed, serious discussion about the policy challenges that are facing Australia over the next few years, then look, pretty shallow, pretty shouty, pretty farcical at times. Um, look, this was a reflection of the, the, the deep frustration in, in both camps. You know, these are two men that clearly do not like each other very much. And this is a government as well that is, you know, struggling in the polls. And I think that there was a very deliberate strategy from the Prime Minister to really get in Albanese's face, to, to land punches, to badger him and hope that under the spotlight, he made a kind of very, very public sort of gaffe. Albanese didn't do any of that. He held his own quite well. He hit back at Morrison quite effectively. So you've got to say that at the end of that, it was shouty. It was cantankerous. It was a hot mess. But really, (laughs) we've come out of that debate really with things as they were going in. So were there any actual points scored? Because, I mean, you could tell that that's what Morrison was hoping for, another sort of elbow stumble. But, I mean, was was there any points scored or was it sort of just a shouting match with no substance? Morrison didn't get that. That's desperately what he wanted coming into that debate. Look, Morrison's a a Polish communicator. You see in his presses the way he's able to filibuster journalists and just keep barreling through with his point. And he took that energy into the debate. He always does sound like maybe a little bit more polished than Albanese, Mm. but in terms of actually winning a debate, it's a a whole different ballgame. I I think some points I'd want to maybe unpack and some of the more cringe moments of that debate, I think the most cringe moment didn't actually come from either of the leaders. It was this question put by one of the hosts about, uh, you know, asking them to define a woman. Now, many voters would be like, why is that being asked? This is a sort of trans-cultural wedge thrown mm-hmm. into the midst of that debate. And I, and I found that, like, a little bit unedifying. It's the kind of language and rhetoric that, that many in the trans community found quite harmful and, and divisive and alienating. I, I thought that was an, an unnecessary sort of intervention into the debate. In terms of other interesting points, you know, we had an admission from the Prime Minister that he shouldn't have called the vaccine rollout a race. That was in response to Albanese's own gotcha uh, attempt at the PM. Um, but, but by and large, in terms of discussion of actual issues, you know, another big 
sort of oversight, was no real discussion of climate in that debate, no question sort of to the heart of that issue. The, the only chatter we got about it was a point when Albanese accused Mor- the Morrison government of being essentially controlled by Barnaby Joyce on that issue, when Morrison was trying to make this point about how, you know, I, I think it was in response to a question about how people don't really like him. He got a few questions about that. His response was, you know, I've brought together the party on net zero. I've brought us toward that net zero target. Albanese obviously jumped in to point out that, well, you know, the, the party is still divided. You've got Barnaby Joyce and Matt Catavan saying one thing out in the regions. You've got your uh, your moderates um, in the seats that you're too afraid to go to, you know, mm. trying to kind of walk that tightrope. So, look, at the end of the day, not a heap on policy. And to the extent that there was, it was often just drowned out because the two were just yelling it over each other all the time. And the moderators, I think it was maybe a deliberate st- sort of choice to step back and let them at each other and, and throw punches. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what, to what extent do you think it was just the, like a poor moderation of the debate? Look, this is a different format from the Sky News debate we had a couple of weeks ago. That was a much more tame and placid affair where you had undecided voters asking questions to each one after another. This was sort of almost like an extended press conference, but with two on the podium at the same time or, or, or like a kind of you know, interview between those three, four journalists um, and the two leaders. So obviously, you know, Morrison, I think, started the interjections fairly early on. And it was like, once you've crossed that Rubicon of deciding you're not going to hold them back and not going to step in, it just descends and, and, and gets really chaotic. I was reminded, and, and this is not the greatest example, but I was reminded of some of the Trump versus Biden debates during the 2020 US presidential election. Oh, yeah. I mean, that first one was just awful. The two were just yelling the whole time. No one had any idea what was going on. This wasn't that bad. I mean, Australian democracy as well as in a, I would say, a better place than the United States. But at, at times, I really was reminded of that. Yeah, it was, it was a terrible reminder of that. And I think you weren't probably alone in thinking that <laughs> and making those comparisons. So, I mean, what can we take away then from this debate? Like, w- would there have been a winner if you had to pick a winner? Or If you viewed last night's debate purely in a vacuum, I would say it was fairly even. That was what the viewers on the slightly buggy uh, <laughs> nine viewers poll suggested. It was, it was maybe a dead heat. If you view it in the context of the entire campaign, you'd have to say that that was a win for Anthony Albanese because, you know, he started the campaign with that gaffe on day one. And even last week, there was this discourse about how he was sort of uncomfortable in front of the media. There were journalists asked, hammering him with gotcha questions. The Liberals were desperately hoping that he would crack under pressure. He would deliver a kind of gaffe ready-made for a soundbite and that they could use that to furnish a narrative of him being incompetent and not up to the job of prime minister. To the extent that Albanese was able to completely avoid that and also land many blows of his own, I think he handled stuff on on China and national security particularly deftly by sort of, you know, taking Morrison's attended attack on Richard Miles, calling that a slur, a smear, and then pivoting to the government's own stuff on, on, you know, the Port of Darwin sale, Tony Abbott inviting Xi Jinping into uh, Parliament to give an address. So, he look, he held his own, he withstood those attacks. And, you know, Morrison needed a not, not just a sort of, you know, 52-48 victory or, or a dead heat. He needed to eviscerate Albanese last night to really, I think, make that debate shift the dial. He didn't get that. So given where we are in the campaign, mm-hmm. it's obviously just a better result for the Labor camp. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, as you say, there's lots lots else going on. The 
Morrison hasn't been able to shift in polls in the polls. We're now down to the last two weeks of the campaign. So do you think the debate will have any impact on how the final fortnight will play out? What else should we be looking out for in these next final weeks? Look, I, I don't think the debate itself shifts the dial because these debates generally don't shift the dial. You know, as we said after the last debate, viewers, voters, undecideds aren't tuning in that much, not like they used to. Mm. But look, where we are going to the final stretch, it's going to be a particularly feral two weeks. I think the, the government is going to try to throw everything they can at Labor. And they're going to try to do that because, you know, the polling doesn't have them in a good place. Morrison's strategy is to kind of reanimate the, the greatest hits of 2019. Again, he was an underdog. He was behind mm. in the polls throughout the campaign. There are a couple of key differences this time. The first I would say is, you know, obviously we take polls with a grain of salt, but the polling is better for Labor at this stage of the campaign as it was in 2019. You know, they were up, they, they moved, they, the margins are widening. They went up on news poll. They went up on Ipsos in the polls that were released yesterday. Mm. And that trend is going the wrong way for the government. There's no way of cutting that. Where the government can take sort of solace is that there are a rump of undecided voters or voters that are difficult for pollsters to reach and kind of get a gauge of where they're at. But, but you know, you'd have to say that Labor are in a strong polling position at this point in the campaign. What the government would be hoping for, I think, is that Albanese maybe cracks under pressure, is that they have a few of those kind of gaff-like moments that they can maybe use. Because at this point, you'd have to say that the campaign, the, both campaigns are kind of humming along, Labor are doing what they want to do pretty well, and the Libs have plenty of problems of their own. You know, they've got the teals eating it away in, in the sort of urban seats held by the moderates. So that's a real, real problem for them. Mm-hmm. Morrison's sort of pivot then is to try to kind of walk this narrow tightrope through the outer suburbs. But the question is whether those suburbs are actually going to go to him, whether seats like Parramatta are going to flip away from Labor. It is starting to kind of move away from the government, but still there's not that sizable feeling of momentum behind Labor. I think that's what gives the government reason for optimism. That and this belief that Morrison himself can lead them to victory. But again, he's not the figure he was in 2019. He's far less popular. He's far more divisive. Yeah, as, as journalists keep reminding him, he's very unpopular <laughs> and very toxic. So could you remind us and tell us what the latest polls have been saying? So who's sort of coming out on top now as we enter the last bit of the campaign? Look, and it, the Ipsos poll from yesterday was, I think, quite staggering from the government because the Liberal, the coalition primary vote fell to 29%. That's one of the lowest primaries for the coalition we've seen in a long time. Now, that could be an outlier. That that would have that mm. put the, the, the two-party preferred up to 57.43 to Labor, I think, or something like that, a really big jump. That said, the news poll, which actually dropped in the middle of the debate last night, also showed Labor's primary vote going up one point, the coalition's going down one point, and the two-party preferred that that gave, that news poll gave us was 54.46 to Labor. And, you know, an average of a lot of polling has sort of had Labor at that sort of lead. So again, that's a bigger gap than they had going into the final stretch in 2019. And, you know, all the chatter was about how polling narrows to the campaign four weeks in, that polling hasn't narrowed. And that's something that's going to be probably really worrying the government, right? Mm. Again, this election won't necessarily have a uniform national swing. You know, there's all this talk Mm -hmm. about how this is going to be a tough seat by seat battle, but the path to victory for Morrison is getting increasingly narrow, 
increasingly difficult. But again, I don't want anyone to think that I'm here <laughs> predicting a Labor victory unless you throw egg on my face on the, on the 21st. <laughs> say um, it, If Morrison sure, is able to, to hang yeah. on, I'm not, I'm not saying the word. I'm not giving any kind of prediction, but Labor are in a good position going into the last fortnight. Yeah. And look, as you say, it's such a different situation than 2019. So yeah, anything could happen. Thank you so much, Kishore. Thank you for watching the, these debates for us. We really appreciate it. Oh, um, it's my absolute pleasure. <laughs> I can't wait for the next one. Um, it's on Wednesday. Oh, in. Well, see you then. Um, that was Kishore Napier-Raman, who is our political reporter at Crikey. And uh, Election Cast will be back tomorrow at the same time. But keep your eye out this afternoon. We've got a PM edition of Crikey going out with some great stories. And if you want to listen up to previous broadcasts, you can find Crikey's Election Cast on most podcast platforms. I'm Georgia Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Crikey's Election Cast and speak with you again tomorrow. That was Crikey's federal politics reporter, Kishore Napier-Rahman, talking to our news editor, Georgia Wilkins. Thank you for listening to Crikey's Election Cast. We will be broadcasting every weekday in the lead up to the federal election. And if you haven't already, why not go and check out some of Crikey's content at crikey.com.au. We are sending out two editions a day. I highly recommend it. And if you have a spare moment, we would really, really appreciate it if you could give us a review on the platform of your choosing. Thanks to Jack Khalil for his help on production. And we will be back in your ears tomorrow. Bye. <laughs>